0: In February, a sentence was handed down for a woman known as the Ivory Queen, 15 years in jail. Her crime? Poaching animals in Africa and sending their body parts back to Asia. My guest today has been working to stop issues like these for more than a decade. Welcome, Veronica Verikova.
1: Thank you for having Good me. Good to see
0: you. By way of introduction, you're a conservationist. You I- have served as a wildlife ambassador. You have testified before Congress, and you are a world-renowned fashion model.
1: Thank you. Something along those lines, yes. But um, That's a big life. For the past 10 years, I've been very heavily involved with um, the African wildlife conservation. I sat on board of um, one of the oldest conservation organizations operating in Africa and solely focusing on Sub-Saharan Africa. And through those 10 years, you see the decline of these animals um, due to uh, Chinese and Vietnamese and other Asian countries truly. Uh, demand uh, for whether it is ivory or um, rhino horn or pangolin all those animals uh, or animal parts are being trafficked illegally throughout the African continent often as you said, this ivory queen as they call her um, they are part of this big cartel which is it 's not only ivory cartel it's they they deal with uh, human trafficking, guns traffic, gun trafficking, this is way bigger, and it's mm. a national security what, what issue. What was she
0: doing? What was the operation that she was running?
1: Well, you know, if you're sitting in Dar Salaam, you're obviously going to have a team of guys that go to the park uh, illegally at night. Um, the parks are obviously very guarded um, places now. Uh, it's, it's not really uh, fair to the animals, and it's not really fair to the tourists, but... If it wouldn't be guarded as it is and patrolled by anti-poaching patrols, we would have no elephants left on the continent today. And that really? is that is the reality, yes. I mean, look, there's you have a country like Cameroon who didn't have the means, financial means Western to – Western Africa. To Western Central Africa that didn't really have the uh, mean financial means to devote that chunk of money to actually uh, train and, and employ – Bigger amount of um, anti-poaching patrols in in, in um, Faro National Park, which is on the border with Nigeria, very heavy territory for Boko Haram. So, what 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 happens to those elephants is that you have these Boko Haram guys come in because they know the value of ivory is so high on the on the illegal trade. Um, they they slaughter these animals in a in a horrific horrific way, and not one by one, you know not one. Or two, they go in Cameroon, for instance. They, I think, it was a hundred, hundred elephants, or if not more, maybe three hundred. That was butchered within a month.
0: How? When did that happen?
1: That was several years ago.
0: Uh huh. So recent memory,
1: and, right? Yes. And so, you, if you see that those funds, some of those funds, contribute to for the Boko Haram to exchange uh, ivory for guns, exchange ivory for other, you know, for money to to, to empower themselves locally, it's terrible. How do you – you know, how – why would National Park turn into a battlefield?
0: Yeah. What is the value in poaching? Is it, is it a trophy it's to have the tusk or is it something more than that?
1: That's a very good question, Bill. Um, I think it's a combination of things, right? The, the Chinese uh, traditions and practicing of those Chinese and Vietnamese even uh, traditions – that's something. It's as if you would come to me and changing those trends, and I, I really hope that that would change. That the demand will be um, You know, the demand would be eliminated by the local authorities, because truly, for instance, the ivory ivory is just a decorative um, property for the Chinese, but it also is a symbol of wealth. And I've said it many times: go and buy a Ferrari. You don't need an elephant tusk. There is a large animal behind that that was killed happily living in the wild and you just because you've gained an extra million and you want to show to your friends that you're you've made it you don't need an elephant tusk sitting on your table in a living room How
0: how did you get involved in this what 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 was triggered in your life that said i i need to take a position
1: so I'm not a scientist or anything like that but I've I've been going to uh, Africa quite often whether it was with my family or uh, on modeling jobs previously and then one year we decided to a bunch of friends decided to climb on Kilimanjaro and this the 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 foundation that I have set on board for 10 years had basically approached me and asked me if I could maybe work with them on an ambassador level and then eventually I joined the board which was extreme honor Because I didn't know anything about the topic, but essentially, I mean, look, we all love animals. I I, I don't, you know, for me it was, the continent is so beautiful. There's something spectacular that happens when you walk into that environment of national or private reserve or national park and, and you experience these monumental elephants splashing their trunks while they're cr- uh, crossing the Zambezi River. Or if you are in Rwanda in the rainforest and you're watching these gorillas like beat their chests, you know, and they're, they're so happy. Mm-hmm. They're exactly where they should be, you know. Of course, it's not for everyone that gets to travel to Africa. So we have uh, animal parks in Europe and, and in, in the United States or around the world uh, because it's important that people establish some sort of relationship with wildlife. But I, nothing makes me happier. To see them in the wild.
0: You've seen the silverback gorilla, correct? Yes, I have. Uh-huh. And I have too, by the way. Mm-hmm. I was on the Uganda side of the border. It's a hike. You, oh my gosh, <laughs> is it a hike? <laughs> you know, the thing, a hike. What I try to explain to people about Uganda is, I don't know if this is the case in, in other parts of the continent, but in Uganda they, they, they bring the salt lake in so they attract the animals. So it becomes like a like a tour spot, right? Oh, really? But mm-hmm. the catch is this. you got to drive eight hours to see the giraffe. You got to drive another eight hours to see the elephant and you got to drive like a day and a half to get in the southwest corner to find the silverback well, gorilla. Yeah. And, I mean, you got to work for it. That's the point.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's no car involved. Yeah. I mean, I know friends of mine, some of my friends uh, that have gone and they're older, older age, they still hiked because it was so exciting to see these gorillas. In Rwanda is a little bit more steep. I think Uganda... You walk for a little longer, but it's not as much of a hike. I think
0: you're probably right about that. In
1: in Rwanda and in Congo, because those are the three countries where you only find them, right? There's, I think, 905 or 910 mountain gorillas left in the wild. And that's between Democratic Republic of Congo, Rwanda and Uganda. Congo is very difficult to spot them because, you know, the, the, the security issues there are daily bread. So I've never been allowed to go there. Uh, but I've seen I've seen uh, gorillas both in Uganda and in Rwanda, and I have to say I did prefer Rwanda. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a steeper hike, but it is um, it is it is. There's just they're just everywhere. You know what
0: struck me is that they play like they're a family.
1: Yeah, and you kind of want to play and, with them, but right. the silverback is watching you. And it's about to punch your face if <laughs> true, you true come story. too close. Yeah, and,
0: and he or she would. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you mentioned Boko Haram. We've heard a lot about Boko Haram. We've heard a lot about Al-Shabaab. Um, John Bolton gave a speech a few months ago, December of 2018. And what he wanted to express is that the level of competition throughout Africa with China. Mm-hmm. And I know they are beating the United States in many aspects. I'm not so sure that the way they do business is the way that a lot of Americans do business. But what is your what is your feeling about how that competition has gone so far, and perhaps what it means toward the cause that is so important to you?
1: Look, I think Chinese presence on the continent is given historically. Um, we go back to nineteen late late 1950s when when Africa became very um, interested in China, um, strategically for so many ver- variety of reasons because uh, Russia and China's relationship ended uh, in the 50s and so they needed to find another partner in the world. That that kind of didn't have that trade partnership just yet, but I think ever since nineties, 90s uh, when the Indians were, you know, uh, uh, India lost its um, uh power in africa temporarily it's all back um i think chinese really un- started to come to africa and see and different ver- variety of different countries you know nigeria is rich in oil so nigeria was a big targeted country south africa was also interested interesting country because there's variety of different businesses and there is an infrastructure in place so it was a little bit easier time to get walk in to those markets but today they operate even in Congo. Congo that has that is practically a failed state. There is no rule of law. They just went through elections. Definitely uh, not uh, too clear on the uh, results.
0: It's my understanding what the Chinese will do is they'll come in and build you a road or a building or what you need, um, but it comes at a cost.
1: Sure, absolutely. I mean, it's if anyone thinks that they do these pleasant things for free, it's absolutely the opposite, mm-hmm. right? They're, if, if we... Carry on on Congo. Congo is absolutely in the heaviest debt to China that it needed to be. And it's because they signed these absolutely insane long-term concessions on cobalt, on copper, on gold, and onwards we go. I mean, Congo is one of the second, probably the wealth, second wealthiest after Mali in natural resources and in in uh, Africa. So clearly they are there, despite of the previous oppressive regime, you know, Obviously, Chinese don't have American values. Their priorities are different. They want to make money. And countries like Congo want to make money too. That's mm-hmm. the quick, quick buck. But long-term um, future doesn't look so bright, yeah. right?
0: On the topic of Islamic terror, I saw this story in the Wall Street Journal a few weeks ago. And it talked about them making inroads through West Africa, which geographically as far is you know, it's not entirely removed. But it's, it's a pretty long way to mm-hmm. go. However, this is a story that in all likelihood is probably going to only get bigger as time goes by, and I just wonder how that affects maybe the project you're working on.
1: I think what it comes down to is really finding parks and reserves that have a top-notch security and protection Uh and management. But even Uh, that's
0: not foolproof.
1: I mean, it's a, it's a, it's basically military surrounding the park, mm-hmm. believe it or not. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. And the tourists don't see that because you you go to the park at at early morning or during the day, but in the middle of the night when the moon is shining, you're already sleeping in your tent, listening to the lion behind, uh, mm-hmm. you know, roaring. But um, at that time, during those full moons, this is the prime time for poachers to enter the park. And these are guys that come in helicopters. And think of the size of the park. The park is massive, right? So if they are airlifted, they drop a line uh, with one or two guys, kill the animal, and they are airlifted again. There is no way of catching them.
0: They're in and they're out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have um, worked with five, well, three different zoos in Europe. Mm-hmm. And you have spearheaded a project that will take these rare black rhinos out of Europe and send them to Rwanda. Yeah. And Rwanda has been in the news for about three decades now, especially here in the U.S. But w- what is the purpose of going into zoos in Europe or here in the U.S. or back home in Prague uh, and taking them back to
1: well, I, I think, wildlife? I think the best uh, answer to that is uh, rhinos are going home. You know, there is a it's a circular... It's a circle sort of process, right, that during the colonial times, long, long, long ago, these elephants were transported on ships back to Europe. Uh, out of 10, maybe two survived. And that's how the Europeans built their uh, zoos and animal parks. And given that they have such a healthy healthy population, rhino population and other species, I think this could be a critical uh, change and and a new sort of Achieve, possible achievement for the modern conservation. Um, I, the zoos have opportunity to give back, and I don't see why shouldn't they. And it's what what really is important about this is it's a gift. Zoos do not have right to sell the animal, and this is what really pleases me about this because if, the minute you put a number on an animal, you subcon- subconsequently supporting that trait, that re- that trafficking, that illegal. Trade, which you know, one kilo of rhino horn uh, is worth sixty thousand dollars, and rhino horn is between two to three kilos heavy. So, you know, you you see the number. Yeah,
0: are they still endangered, or has the conservation project worked?
1: Look, it's it's regional. South Africa is still under a lot of threat. Uh, Zimbabwe, uh, Namibia, Zimbabwe a lot because as soon as you have. Um, as soon as the government is not really uh, doing what it's supposed to do for its citizens, obviously the elephants and, and uh, rhinos will be endangered as well. And uh, Zimbabwe is going through a, a, a big, big uh, political change. And and so this is this is not on their top priorities.
0: Yeah. When do they arrive?
1: They arrive in June. Uh-huh. They have their own plane. <laughs> do,
0: you, do you hope to be there?
1: I'm definitely definitely going to be uh, there. Even the president of the country is going to be on okay, the receiving end. Um,
0: and they arrive and they are kept separate, I would imagine, at least in the beginning. They
1: are actually right now. Uh, they have been all flown to the Czech Republic Zoo um, where they all accommodate to each other. Uh, it's two boys and three female. Females are very important because they're mm-hmm. the ones who um, uh, they're, they're give birth. They're, <laughs> and, the, they're the future. Yes, yes. And... Um, but it's it's the genetic pool of these rhinos that is super high quality and that's that's absolutely assuring longevity of that population in the park which most of the animals most of the species in that park was destroyed during the genocide in 94 and it's an amazing project that african parks took uh, which is an ngo that is managing the park now they took this project to their heart, and they absolutely re- reintroduced every single species to that park. Mm. So right now, in June, they're going to have all big fives. So it's another tourist destination within, within Rwanda. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm contributing to the tourism, and I, at the same time, I think I'm, it's, I'm allowing the zoos to, um, to do something spectacular. When I remember when I went to the, the head of EASA, which is the Association of Zoos in Europe, uh, Mark Pilgrim and I said, "Mark, this would be wonderful if you could just give us ten rhinos." He says, 10? Are you mad? Mm-hmm. We've never done 10. I said, "Okay, five. I settled on five. It took a year and a half for, for the for the entire process to to be approved. And, and and he said, "Very cool, but why am I doing this?" And I said, "Well, because I'm going to turn you into a star," <laughs> and that's exactly what's happening. He's so pleased, and you know, it just you need to give a notch to people uh, to to think outside of the box. Conservation has been around for uh, for decades, and I think there are new new ways and new um, practices that you can protect these uh, animals than what we used to do.
0: Very well spoken. Good luck.
1: Thank you so much. June
0: will be fantastic. Thank you. And, so exciting. Yeah. Good luck to you, and thank you for your time today. Thank you. For Veronica Barakova, off to Africa you go. You've been listening to Hammer Time. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and for more podcasts, Go to foxnewspodcast.com and rate and review this one. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.